It's real. It's real. You know the deal. You know the deal. Hey, it's Shantae. And I'm Natalie. And welcome to What's the Deal, a podcast powered by the Norfus Firm. At the Norfus Firm, we solve people problems. We work with employers all around the world on HR and DEI issues. So we've been talking allyship. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, we had a lot going on. I don't even know where to begin, but I would say that a common thread of at least the conversations we've been having lately is leads us to a conclusion that allyship is more important now than ever. They're experiencing tragedy after tragedy. We are seeing headlines of, you know, folks not wanting to acknowledge black history in schools, right? There's these sort of constant, it feels like assaults, yes. you know, on- who we are as people and, and we is a collective we. And so it's important when folks have a different level of power in a particular situation that they use it to influence, change, uh, support, acceptance of groups that don't have that same level of power. Right. And so, um, you know, I think that brings us to another very exciting guest. Yeah, uh, you want to tell us a yes, little bit? I'm, I'm so, excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited to have me on. Um, I, I actually met uh, Bumi through you, and so thank you for that beautiful introduction. She's a, a beautiful soul, beautiful spirit, and I'm really, really excited to be able to introduce uh, Bumi to everyone. And so I'm t- using my cards, guys, because man, this sister is accomplished. You hear me? <laughs> Coming with it. I want to make sure that I, that I do her justice. And so, um, so many things. And, and if I drop anything or miss anything, please, um, fill in the gaps there for us, but me, but to get us started. So you all know who we're speaking to today. I have, we have the pleasure of connecting with, um, Bumi Emmananjo. And if I mess that up again, Bumi, please. Because it's a beautiful name and I want to do it justice. Um, Babumi is a successful ethics and compliance attorney who's worked in the private sector as well as the White House under the Biden administration. The White House, the folks. White House, current Biden administration, guys. Rockstar. Um, but she has so much more going on. Uh, like you have a background in, in biology and bioscience, right? So made like that science kind of technical background and then she's also an author so author so she's creative right two books i think are coming out uh, and set to come out in 2023 um so using both sides of the brain which i'm always a fan of anyone who can do that you are fake Uh, engineers you love to tell people and a musician so i i love and a real musician and a real engineer really but i mean hey not about me about me today um and so so yes two books coming out set to come out in 2023 as well as owning uh her own uh book curation company atlas books and a leader in the global uh, discourse around representation diverse representation in children's literature like that's a mouthful guys like it's a lot that this this very young woman (laughs) has been able to accomplish and so uh welcome Bumi. and before we actually welcome welcome yes I I just have to point out just something that I think probably provides the, the, the baseline for everything that Bumi has accomplished and is yet to accomplish because Mm -hmm. we, I I am very much convinced that we have not seen the best of her yet um, is resilience. Yeah. And we talk, we've talked about resilience uh, a significant bit lately because a lot of what we've just talked about requires it. Yeah. Everyone needs more resilience. And so, um, something that Bumi shared with me is how she arrived in the U.S. Mm, that's a great And uh, Bumi is originally from Nigeria. And at 16, 
Her parents felt that coming to the U.S. would be better for her than being in, in Nigeria. And she was put on a plane and she flew here by herself mm. um, to live with a family member that she didn't have, hadn't had a lot of connection with. And you think about that. And when I hear that and I think, wow, OK, I think about my 16 and obviously different situations, but to come to a place that is away from everyone, so far away. really away from everyone that you love and find your way really exemplifies resilience. Find your way to the White House. The White House, y'all. Nice. All right. Okay. All right. If you, if you can't tell, we love her. <laughs> <laughs> so we love shared language, Bumi, and ha for people to understand what we mean when we're talking about certain terms. So this time we'd like to kick it off to you in terms of when you hear the word ally or you think of allyship, what does that mean to you? First of all, I, that's what we're talking about. I'm not going to cry on here, you know, because I get a little bit emotional. But thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that warm introduction. And I am really excited to be having this conversation with you. But when I think about holiday, I immediately think about trust. I immediately think about someone that I trust. And not only someone that I trust on a, you know, just very regular level, like I trust you not to poison me kind of thing, you know, but someone that I trust deeply, someone that I trust with my vulnerability, you know, someone that I know if I open up to this person, can I trust them with my aching heart right now? You know, Ooh. can I trust them with that? And then when I think of an ally, I also think of someone who sees my humanity, right? Do you see and recognize my humanity? How do you hold space for my humanity? You know, and so it's not just, you know, showing up when there has been an incident in the country, you know, or showing up when there has been an explicit incident of racism or bias in the workplace showing up for me every day in the small ways that a lot of people might, th that are not celebrated, that are not like hooked up, you know, and it's showing up in those ways and building that trust, that connection, so that when things then happen, I already trust you. And I already trust that you're gonna show up for me in the big ways because you've shown up for me in the small ways. I love that it's it. You make it sound like it's a practice, like it's something that yeah. needs to happen consistently Oof. and regularly all the time, um, not just in these kind of heightened these moments where where everyone is kind of galvanized around an issue. But it's like, no, every day we're doing this. You know, we had a prior guest who who spoke about just she had on a Black Lives Matter uh, sweatshirt. And so she was like, it doesn't take putting on the sweatshirt is just as easy as putting on any other sweatshirt. And when she said that to me, it mm -hmm. felt like this is just who I am. This is how I show up in the world. This is how I show up for people. It's not performative. It just is. And I think that's the energy that you speak to. And, and if you don't mind talking a little bit about the performative piece, because I think when you, this is eloquent way that you've talked about it, it is like a practice. And we've talked a lot about how mm -hmm. frustrating it is when people show up when there's an incident. So what's your, your perspective on sort of the performative allyship? Well, that's the thing is if you truly want to be an ally, you have to show up in a way that 
accounts in a way that's valuable? Like what is going to have the most impact, right? And that performative allyship doesn't have as much impact as you think it has, you know, because the performance allyship almost feels like it's more about the ally than the people being oppressed, you know? And so, so it is, right? And so if you're an ally, it, it boils down to something you and I talk about, Natalie, which is what is your intention? What is your ultimate objective? And if your ultimate objective is to impact change, if your ultimate intention is to actually make a difference and impact and create change that will move um, will move the country forward, right, in a way that creates equity for the oppressed and the marginalized, that's truly your objective and that's truly the impact you want to have. Formative allyship doesn't really get you there. It doesn't, right? In the everyday. So then when you actually get to a point when you can actually make an impact, your actions go a lot further. And right? I, I think it's that piece of what you talked about earlier around trust. Mm -hmm. If I'm only seeing you put out something, a, a misused MLK quote on MLK Day, or I'm only seeing you speak about injustice when really big issues are out there, and I'm only seeing you post about it, right? right. And it's not that you're doing anything be between. I can't, I can't trust that. And I think that goes to what you were talking about earlier when you're talking about building that trust is it comes from the mundane. Mm -hmm. It comes from the everyday because then it becomes like, oh, I, I, I know that Bumi is going to show up mm -hmm. because on a random Tuesday, she'll message me and say, hey, you've been on my heart. Like, is everything OK? And the same with with me, with her, where it's like, it's, it's a constant of, I'm thinking about your humanity to use your term. And so the performative piece is, is frustrating because you're like, D we didn't ask for that. Well, you know, it brings up, it's the yeah. ship part of it. It's a, it's a relationship. Like, you know, allyship That's is, it. it's not just this one directional or, you know, it's, it's a dance. It's a, it's a conversation. It's a connection. It's a, it's a relationship like any other relationship and relationships take work and you have to put in the work right and otherwise it just they don't work so that's what I, so and and so, so you know when i think about this allyship and i think about okay you know you and i always talk about yeah we can have all these conversations but if they're not practical tips attached to it then what are we even doing right so for example ramadan ramadan comes around every year every year you can pull up a calendar in google and know what month it is right or what what span of the number of days and what what the period is because it does shift every year if your team has been working really hard towards the launch of a product or a service you know and they've been working on it for two years and you're going to have this big celebration to celebrate the team's success right and you have a couple of people who are muslims on your team how about you don't put it during the Ramadan months. You know what I mean? It's something like just seeing this person's human and just thinking about that. Okay, we're gonna celebrate, we're launching, whoop, whoop. we're gonna have the celebration and you put it right smack in the middle of Ramadan. Guess what? Because 
most people, and I have, you know, as you know, uh, most of my family is Muslim. You know, my one of my best friends is Muslim. Most most people are not going to say anything. They're not going to say, oh, it's Ramadan. They're just going to show up to celebration and going to say hi to everyone. And then they're not, they're not going to eat anything, you know? And so are you really celebrating everyone on the team? Mm-hmm. No, you're not. And so that's just one example. And so if you're in that room on the planning committee, you don't. this is an example of where you don't even have to be on the leadership team to effect change. Most people who are planning stuff like this are more um, junior level employees, you know, on part of the admin staff. And so if you want to be an ally when they're planning that, you go like, oh, did you know this person is a Muslim? That's going to be probably going to be a, can we look into that and make sure that's not Ramadan or that's not a Jewish holiday or something like that where people are fasting so everyone can partake in our celebration? That's an ally. That's how you show up. And I love that you brought that up because we always talk about that. What is your intention? Why are you doing it? Right. When I think about when we just again, going back to the the, the piece around performative allyship. When you take out your phone, your smartphone, and you're Googling MLK quotes, and then you find one that you think is really great, and you're like, oh, I'm going to post this. What is your intention? You feel some sort of way about them MLK quotes. I do, because they're often (laughs) used out of context. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, what's happening, folks? But but, but just, it's that pause that we speak about a lot. What are you trying to communicate here when you do this, right? And if it is something in celebration of civil rights or equity or black people in the U.S., how how does this communicate that, right? I think is and that's kind of that piece that you're talking about. So just flipping it a different way, if if someone was uh, wanting to be an ally to in any of the categories you fit in, being an immigrant, being a black woman, being a mother, being a woman, any of the things that 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 define who you are, you feel like it's better for them to ask you what you need or decide what they think you need? Definitely not decide what they think I need. I think we can take that off the table. That's that's not my preference. Um, we should take that off the table. <laughs> It's off. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a couple of things, right? I think it is skin me what I need. But when I'm not in the room, when I'm not in the room, how are you advocating for me? How are you giving me access to information? Because here's the thing. I can... You can ask me what I need, right? And I can tell you. I can only tell you to the extent that I know. I don't know what I don't know, right? So it's one, asking me what I need. Two, advocating for me when I'm not in the room. But also three, giving me access to information so I can be better informed to tell you what I need, right? And so it could be, for example, in the workplace, right? And you know, based on the information that you have, that I or somebody else on my team, you know, is underpaid. I don't know. So if you ask me, I can only answer to the extent of the knowledge that I have. But if you give me 
access to the information that I need to know in order to be better informed so I can ask for what I need from an informed and empowered position mm-hmm. not to. That's exactly the word that came to my mind that when you were describing is empower. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think this is sort of what we're getting at is like, don't uh, baby us. Don't take away your, my agency. Don't yeah. take away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't like give me some agency here. And again, I think that's where like, again, just to use our relationship, I mean, where we've succeeded, where it's like, Hey, I know some stuff you don't know, sis. So here, look, let me give this to you and and the same thing back and forth. But this also gets at that concept that we've been speaking about a lot lately, that there's a room and there's Mm -hmm. a room. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, we talk to to people of color who are in positions like uh, in their companies that they, you know, they're, they're in a leadership role, but they often feel like they're not in the actual room, right? By title, they're in a room. But then there's a whole nother room where all these different discussions happen, I think, which gets at your point of if you're an ally and you're in a position of power that I'm not share some of it with me. Right. And I think that the thing that sometimes thwarts that or discourages that is that people look at power as a finite thing. Right. And I talk about this a lot, like a lot of folks especially folks that are in positions to be allies look at like power as a pie. And if I give you a piece of my pie, then I'm less powerful. And from my perspective, power is infinite, right? There is an infinite amount of power in this world. So I actually think if I'm sharing my power with you, I become more powerful because there's a, like we've elevated the, the, the energy and, and the sort of the power vibe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, such a huge component of this allyship is you are not it's not typically typically going to be to your detriment to share your power with disenfranchised, underrepresented, marginalized groups. Right. Exactly. I think they look at it like keeping it at like an arm's length type of entry. I hope you so long as I'm I'm not really fully impacted or or I don't have any sort of uh, ramifications for this for this effort or this work that I'm doing. It's like I'll do it to a certain extent. Um, And and is that really that's not really allyship. Allyship, you got to be all in. You got to jump in with both feet. Yeah. And it's also when you're keeping people at arm's length like that, you don't know what rooms they are in. You know what I mean? You just don't know what value that they may be able to provide you in the future. Now, you don't go into it thinking, you know, it should be it it should be you're doing it because in the future you're going to help me back. No, but when you put energy out there where you're actually uplifting others, that's just the way the universe works, whether you believe it or not, you know, when you put that energy out there, it comes back to you. It really does. And so the more you can uplift others, you'd be surprised how total strangers will uplift you in the areas that you least expect. Wow, karma. Actions, every yeah. action, every action has a consequence. Which consequences do you want? Yeah, so people don't believe it, which is fine, but, you know, stuff happens whether you believe it or not. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> that That's the point That's here. how that works. So we have one last question for you, although, gosh, I mean, I'll be here all day. I love this conversation. Um, if you're in a situation at work 
someone, um, you, you experience a microaggression, right? Maybe it's, we talk about this one a lot, hair. One day you have your braids in, one day your head is shaved, one day, and someone makes sort of a crass comment about the hair shift. And there's someone in the room who wants to be an ally. What's your preference? You want to speak for yourself? You want them to speak up and say, hey, that's rude. Do you want them to back you up if you say something like, what, what works for you in those kinds of situations where someone wants to be an ally and you're dealing with something like that? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because this is to your earlier point that it's very situational, right? Um, and as someone who's been in that position where, um, not my current job, but, you know, a couple of jobs back where a comment was made. I, I do want to say this because I want people to understand the burden it puts on women of color when you make that comment about their hair, right? And it is... After hearing, you know, such a comment uh, in a in a meeting where I was presenting, uh, it is me going back to my office and fuming for minutes, right? So fuming. So I'm using my energy. I'm here at work, and so I'm supposed to be working, but here I am fuming about the comment. And then I go from fuming to I have to address this. And then I go from, I have to address this to now cultivating the most diplomatic way to address it. And then it goes, now I have to get up and go to your office and then talk or pick the phone and then talk to you about it. And then I have to somehow, even though I don't want to manage your feelings about it. So I'm managing my stress and anxiety, managing now I got to manage your feelings around it. It's just a lot. And so from a work efficiency standpoint, I have now spent an hour when I should be working and doing all these things on my to-do list addressing this, right? And so I just want to say that so people understand, and that's just a very snapshot of what's involved in that. Not only my energy, but time and, you know, those resources. So if I'm in a room and something like that happens, you know, this is where I would prefer an ally to go like, hey, that's not okay. You know, Ooh. it saved me some of that emotional work that I have to do to get to your, that's not okay. Because the thing is different people, depending on their personalities are gonna react in different ways. Some people may end up not even seeing anything at all. And it's just another microaggression, another razor cut, you know, in this thing that we call microaggressions. And so I, I would prefer an ally just immediately nip it in the bud so I don't go that spiral that inve inevitably would happen and just say, no, that's not OK. OK, and then whatever language they feel comfortable, you know, after that, but just stopping it in its track. I appreciate that. I really appreciate you explaining the, the emotional burden because I think people often try to write it off as, oh, it was just this thing. And the, that goes back to this piece that we talked about before we started filming of like, there's so much more to the person that came here today that you are ever going to see. And so you don't know how many times someone has made that comment. To the person you don't know sort of some of the uh history around hair and 
how we how we deal with I mean Shantae and I actually had this conversation last night because I was just frustrated earlier this week because sometimes the hair thing just interferes with working out in in multiple ways right and it's like it's that piece of like you saying something about my hair you don't even know what you're triggering hmm. because I had to decide, was I going to work out really hard and sweat everything out and have to figure out a whole new hairstyle, which is very time consuming? Or am I not doing myself justice because I'm prioritizing my hair not being messed up? It's a thing already, right? And let's be clear, we love our hair. So this is not because we don't love our hair is beautiful. <laughs> it's just that there's a whole process in it. And a lot of us also have had to deal with what's appropriate or professional at work. Now, thankfully, a lot of us don't even care. We go how we want to go, but that's also a thing. So it's like this idea of, it's usually never the small thing that you think is so small. It's usually hitting a point where it's like people have been hitting that same point for so long. And it, it, it does cause some spiraling because you're like, are we really still here? Are we really still dealing with this? So really appreciate that. Uh, I hate to say goodbye. So mm -hmm. here's what we're going to do. We're not going to say goodbye. We're going to just say um, ciao for now. And so when we wrap today, goodness, there's so many gems here. So many good things that we can get into. Intentionality. Yes. Why are you doing the thing yeah. you're doing to try to help others? Yes. Understanding that people are coming to the table with many different hurts, traumas, triggers. So small things can be big. Yes. That it is important to not only ask people what they need, but share information they may not have. And yeah. understanding that power is infinite. Mm -hmm. Bumi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all for joining us and we will be back. Here it is. See you soon. Here it is.